Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. We may be separated in person, but we are together in spirit, and we believe that God has something absolutely incredible for us today. So let me start off by uh, reading a passage to you, actually, if you want to. You can go to your Bibles. We're going to go to the book of Galatians. It's in the New Testament, one of the letters that Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. Galatians chapter 2. It's going to read in verse 20 and 21 just to kind of get things going. I'm reading from the Passion Translation, but you can read along in whichever. It says, My old identity has been co-crucified with the Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. I love that. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, for the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and for you and dispenses that life into Mine. I love that. Our old life, our old habits, they, they have to be shaken so that God can do something that awakens us. Amen? And so I just want to pray for you right now, wherever you are. we got some folks with us here uh, as we're preparing this for you. But I just want to pray for you and ask that God would open up your heart and open up your ears to hear what he would like to speak to you today. Will you pray with me? Yeah. Father, we, we love you. We thank you so much for your faithfulness. We pray, Lord, that in the time that we have today, Lord, that you would allow our hearts to be open, that you would remove any barriers, whether it's the comfort of the online thing or whether it's things that we're going through in our life right now. Father, we pray that the barriers would be removed, that our ears would be open, that our spirits would be attentive to what you were trying to speak to us today. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody say amen. Amen, amen. amen. Uh, This week I'm sitting back with, with my wife, and we're talking about just wondering how everybody's doing. And even, even right now, like as we're in this room, I'm thinking about you. I'm wondering how you are doing. What are you facing right now? What is, what is my wife asked this question, what is life right now? Like what are, what are we dealing with? Because it seems to be different every day, even though there is some slow sense of normalcy to where we are. But we even just got a message that school is pretty much we're not going back to school in Nevada. We're not, that's, that's a done deal. And so things are, are crazy. Parents are trying to figure out, all right, now the kids are going to be home for the rest of this school time, so let's figure out how we can make this happen. But the reality is, is that we have a new normal that has begun to set in place. And ironically, as a church, we've been talking about new normal ever since January. We didn't know that this season was going to happen. We didn't know that the whole pandemic was going to happen But what we knew is that God was preparing us. He was preparing our hearts for a new normal. And we'll dive into that a little bit more. Uh, But uh, our our normal mode of operation, to say the least, has been completely disrupted. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But I know for many people right now, you're asking yourself the question, what used to be normal was I had a job. But now a new normal seems like I don't currently have a job, or maybe I'm I'm taking unemployment, or maybe I'm trying to, but it still hasn't gone through yet, and I don't know what to do. I don't know how I'm going to provide for family, don't know what I'm going to do with my kids, don't know what the next few months is going to unfold. And I think uh, even as a church, 
I was talking with some friends of mine this last week, and we were reflecting back on Easter. And Easter was crazy. I think across the world, if we had to, if we had to measure it, I would probably say that more people heard about Christ than ever because we've been forced to do something new that we've never done before. But crazily, and maybe if I can be as transparent, uh, transparent enough to say, like, pastors, it was weird. Like, Easter was weird. It's like even though the gospel went out and people were impacted and we're hearing amazing stories all the time, for me, it's still talking to a camera, you know, still limited ability to be around people that we love, to touch them and hug them and, and just converse with people in community. And it just, it's, it's, a, it, it's a new normal. It's not something that we're used to. It's not something, not something that we're comfortable with. And so we, we find ourselves asking this question. This is something my wife and I have been praying about, talking about for a couple of weeks. We're like, what now? What do we do now? My job, what do I do now? With my family, what do I do now? Even in the church world, we made it to Easter. We, we, we did Easter online. It was the weirdest thing ever. It was awesome, but it was weird. Like, okay, what now? And I think what's interesting is that uh, sometimes... It's okay to ask God questions about like, all right, this is great. This is, this is happening. All right, Easter, for example, we, we celebrated the resurrection of Christ. Okay, Christ, you died, you rose from the dead. That's awesome. What now? How does the resurrection life of Christ apply to what I'm going through right now? What does it do for my life? What does it do for my friends? What does it do for my family right now? And I don't think that's a disrespectful question to God. I don't think he's offended because we're, we're bringing that, that thought to him. I think it's a, it's a real question. It's not a new question, but it's a real question. And I think it's okay. Somebody needs to know this. Sometimes we, being real with God opens up our hearts to allow God to begin to get real with us. And God wants to get real with you. God wants to help you in the, the mess of the situation where you find yourself or the challenge of the reality where you find yourself. And he wants to not just cause you to wonder what now. He wants to take you by the hand and he wants to guide you into a new season that's filled with purpose, that's filled with anointing, that's filled with life in a context that had some of these things never happened, you would never have the opportunity to experience. I think even if you go back to the Easter thing that I was talking about, the very first Easter, when Jesus rose from the dead, he had even spent the last three and a half years of his ministry and his life with the most, uh, the, with the disciples and his followers, and, and he had even multiple times told them plainly, all right, I'm going to die, but I'm going to raise from the dead. This has to happen. It's been prophesied. It's all a part of the Father's plan. But for whatever reason, they still didn't, it was what they thought was a metaphor. Like, okay, Jesus, this, this dying and raising from the dead, I'm not sure what that means. But then when it actually happened, and then even after Jesus appeared to them post-resurrection, you would have thought, and maybe I thought, that they just would have been like light bulbs on. All right, we're, we're, we're excited now. We're energized. We're, we're filled with purpose. We're ready to go do the things that God's called us to do. But what's interesting is that you see in, in the book of John chapter 21, which is the final chapter of the gospel of John, 
You see Peter and you see a handful of the other disciples in a moment where Jesus was not with him. And you got to think that they're pondering, like, what the heck is this? Like, what just happened? All right, we saw Jesus be arrested. We saw him crucified. We've seen him risen from the dead. And we just spent the last three and a half years following him. But what now? Like, what do we do? And human nature always wants us to go back to what we were comfortable with in the past. All of us, our human nature, we want to go back to what was comfortable, what we knew, even if it's not healthy, even if it was broken. For whatever reason, there's a sense of comfort that was there. So they're out fishing. Peter, Peter's, I just, this is how I picture it. I picture them sitting around a table, twiddling their thumbs, eating some flatbread, or I don't know what they're eating. It doesn't matter. <laughs> And it says that Peter, he, he basically, he looks up and he says, I'm going fishing. Who wants to go? I'm going fishing. And a bunch of them are like, all right, let's go fishing. And maybe you don't know the context here, but for Peter and a lot of the disciples that Jesus called, their, their former profession, their former life was fishing. That was what they did for a living. And it was interesting that even though Jesus had resurrected, even though they had seen Jesus resurrected, even though Jesus had done stuff like poof, just appeared in front of them, in the flesh, they were still struggling with the thought process of what do we do now? I don't know. Let's go back to what we know. And so we got Peter and some of the disciples are out fishing. Jesus knows what's going on, as he commonly does. And so Jesus shows up in, the, in, in chapter 21. The account kind of says they're about 100 yards offshore. So that's close enough to see that there's somebody on the shore, but you can't necessarily see who it is. And Jesus is on the shore. And he sees them out there fishing, and this is my account. He says, hey, guys, how's it going? Did you catch any fish today? And their response back was, no, no luck today, no fish, nothing. And then Jesus says to them, well, then take your nets and cast them on the other side or on the right side of the boat. And it says they did and caught the largest catch they could possibly catch. It even says specifically 153 Fish, that's a pretty good day fishing. But Peter, in this account, Peter recognizes something. And he realizes as this interaction is happening that that's Jesus on the shore talking to him because he had a little bit of a flashback. See, if you go back to the very first time that you see Jesus interacting with these guys, they weren't his disciples yet. They were just people who knew about this guy that they had heard of. And Jesus shows up in Luke chapter 5, and he even tells Peter, hey, you mind if I hop in your boat and you can push off a little bit so I can teach the crowd? And after he had taught them, he told Peter, hey, go ahead and shove off into the deep and throw your nets out to catch some fish. And so you got to remember, Jesus wasn't the fisherman. Jesus was the carpenter. So if you ever have been skilled in a profession like a fisherman and someone who's not a fisherman came to you and started giving you advice on how you should do what you do, most people don't like that. Most people don't want to be down with that. But they, they respected Jesus from what they had heard, so they shoved out into the deep after they had been fishing all throughout the night, fishing at the, currently at the worst time to catch fish, and they brought in more fish than they could handle, actually began to sink the boats and rip the nets. And so they knew, like, this story was identical for them. They realized this was Jesus calling us back. What's, uh, what's interesting is the, the John chapter 21 account, this was really only the third time that Jesus had appeared to his 
his disciples, his closest friends. I love the question to think about, like, for the 40 days that Jesus was on earth after his resurrection, he wasn't with his disciples every day like he used to be. So what was he doing? Like, where was he? Let's, those are some of the fun things to think about of what could Jesus have been doing during those times. But the reality is, is that in this moment, he appeared to his disciples. He called them back in. And what we see Jesus doing is he's trying to snap them out of trying to go back to an old normal and bring them into the revelation and the realization that it's time to live in a new normal. Jesus reconnected them to fishing within their purpose instead of just fishing for provision. Their fishing before was about making a living. But God said when he originally called them, he says, follow me and I will teach you how to fish for men, fish for people. He's talking about souls. He's talking about uh, uh, friends and families, talking about the, God's perspective and why Jesus even came down to the earth. Jesus didn't come just to do the work. Jesus came to empower you and I to do the work that would be done through his life. There's got to be an awakening that begins to take place to combat the, the, the drive and the fight to go back to old normal. And I don't know about you, I, I think about, um, we got three kids, and there's been plenty of times over the years where it was time to wake them up, and sometimes they're a little bit easier to wake up than others. If you have kids, you've experienced this. Usually when you want them to sleep is when they want to wake up, and when you want them to wake up is when they want to sleep. And so if you've ever had this experience of, of somebody trying to wake you up or trying to wake up a child and they won't wake, what do you do? You shake them gently, depending on the age of your child. But if you have older child, I'm starting to have a couple of grown kids, you, sh you shake them and you wake them up and you say, it's time for you to get up. It's time for you to not sleep anymore. It's time to wake up. The purpose of being shaken is for our spirit and our soul to awaken. Back in the, in the 1700s, uh, the 1730s, the 1740s, there was this revival movement that's been called the Great Awakening. And during this particular time, it happened in Britain, and it happened in the original 13 American colonies, where there was just a massive move of prayer and repentance of people turning back to God. And there was a lot of signs and wonders and miracles that came along with this, but the biggest thing that happened through the Great Awakening was a brand new hunger for God, a hunger to no longer do what we used to do because the things that we used to do produced results that didn't give us life. They didn't give us hope. And see, here's the thing. We would think when we look at our current crisis with the COVID-19 and, and the, the people that we love who have died and the frustrations that we're all experiencing in different ways, whether it's unemployment, whether it's just feeling antsy, you know, people all over the place right now, I just want to get back to life. And man, I don't blame them. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of not being around you and being able to have church and, and be around everybody. But uh, at the end of the day, there are way too many voices that we hear that are saying things like, hey, this is, this is the judgment of God. We need to take heed to this. No, absolutely not. We will know when the judgment of God comes. <laughs> We will know. There won't be any debate. There won't be any surprises when the judgment of God comes. But now is not the time. As a matter of fact, I see this actually as far as God using an, a, a difficult season and a difficult moment to make something amazing happen. God is using this shakening to awaken us 
and to, to kind of shake us out of our slumber. Because I think for so long, we have, we have allowed in the church world, let me get specific within the church world, we have allowed the comfort that we have within our church existence to define what we think the church is. But the reality is, is that going to a building doesn't make you the church. The church doesn't stop just because we can't meet in our facilities. As a matter of fact, even when we're in the facility, sometimes we have a false sense of being the church. Just because you go to church doesn't mean you are being the church. Just because you are even maybe volunteering at your church, that doesn't mean that you're being the church. You can be faithful, you can do a lot of things, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you are being the church because to be the church, we have to be awake and alive inside of our spirit. We have to be alive to the things that Jesus is doing because just as we read in our, uh, in our opening passage, one of the verses from it, if I can find it, there it is, in verse 20, it says, and now the essence of this new life is no longer mine. For the anointed one, that's Jesus, lives his life through me. That's what being a Jesus follower is. It's not living for God. It's not doing things for God. It's not necessarily just being a good person and following rules. No, a Jesus follower is someone who allows Jesus to live inside of their lives and to allow his spirit to flow through them. Because at that point, it's Jesus doing the work. It's not us doing the work and trying to be good people. I think we're being shaken out of that. Do me a favor. Turn to somebody next to you if you're in this room or maybe you're at home and just say, it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. If somebody's falling asleep next to you, elbow them and say, it's time to wake up. I think this season that we are experiencing, we're actually experiencing, like I was saying before, not the judgment of God, we're experiencing the grace of God. Because in his love and in his mercy and his undeserved grace, he is shaking the world. Literally everything that can be shaken is being shaken. And it doesn't matter, there's no borders that limit this. It's happening all around the world. We're all being shaken. Uh, economy is being shaken, families are being shaken, churches are being shaken, governments are being shaken, our processes are being shaken, our faith is being shaken. Somebody told me one time that a, a faith that can't be tested is a faith that can't be trusted. And I really do feel like it's, we, sometimes we allow our faith to be rattled to the point where we, we begin to go away from it because we have this false reality that faith in Christ means that everything is going to be okay Everything is going to be fluffy. Everything is going to, everything's just going to be fine for me in my life. But the reality is, is that faith in Christ does not mean that your life is going to be cushy. It just means that the power of God is going to be present with you when you go through the moments that you don't know how you can handle. And as a church, that's something that we need to embrace like we never have before. We need to embrace the fact that God put the church in the world to exist even in the hard parts of the world, so that somebody who doesn't know Christ has someone and something to look to to see the hope and to see the love and to see the grace that exists within our God. He's shaken us from our spiritual sleep, from being dead spiritually inside, from our spiritual selfishness. He's shaking us from our relational pettiness, our religiosity, our arrogance, and yes, even from our spiritual laziness and inactivity. No longer can we go through the motions of life, not allowing the power of God to transform us. And then we show up to a church service 
and we feel like we're doing our religious duty. We're doing God a favor. That's not what this is about. That's why Sunday isn't supposed to be the moment where you are fed everything that you will need for an entire week. Sunday is supposed to be the moment or whenever we gather together as the body of Christ. These are supposed to be the moments where we are energized and fueled and celebrating what God is doing so that we can go back out into the world Monday through Saturday or whatever day it may be and literally allow the life of Christ in us to begin to flow through us. Somebody that you know needs you to be Jesus this week. That doesn't mean they need you to be perfect. It just means they need you to be strong. And not in your own strength, but through the strength that comes through Jesus. There's not a whole lot of people left in our world or in our nation who haven't either directly or indirectly been impacted by what the world is experiencing right now with COVID. It's becoming very, very personal. And there are those who are still afraid there are those who still don't know what to do, but there are those who know exactly what to do. Even when we don't have the tangible answers, we can live the answer. Even we don't know how to fix every broken situation, we can pray, we can love, we can give, we can help. That's what God, I believe, is shaking the church to begin to do. But I want to tie this in because the, the time frame in which we are living right now, if we were to go back to the very first resurrection, the, the first Easter when Jesus rose from the dead, is that there was a time period, like I said earlier, there were 40 days from the time that Jesus rose from the dead to the time that he ascended back to heaven and the disciples witnessed the entire thing. There were 40 days there. And one of the last things that Jesus told them before he left them to go back to heaven was not, go, 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 people need your help. Because you would think like, okay, Jesus is done in the, in the fleshly component, so now it's our turn, right? So it's time for us to go. Now, what's interesting is that Jesus actually said, wait, 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 wait. And he said, don't leave Jerusalem until I send you my spirit. Don't, send, don't, don't leave and go to try to be. Don't try to go and do until you receive what I'm trying to give you. Because on your own strength, you're not going to have the willpower, the stamina, the ability, the power, the strength to do the things that I need you to do or to be the people that I need you to be. He said, I just need you to, to, to wait and stay put. And I think it's so ironic right now that we're, I'll, I'll be personal, I'm going crazy, waiting, <laughs> going crazy, just staying put. <clears throat> Social distancing, you know, trying to keep our distance. Do I, do I wear a mask? Do I not wear a mask? You know, how can I breathe in this thing? All the, all the things that we all deal with but maybe in preparation for what God is trying to do in our world right now, he's trying to get his people, he's trying to get the church to say, wait, 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 pause, time out. Just settle for a minute. Settle for a minute and remember where your help comes from. Settle for a minute and remember why you do what you do. Settle for a, min for a minute and remember who is going to give you the strength to not just get through this, but to take other people through it with you. And so right now, even in our current time frame, if we look at those, you know, the 40 days post-resurrection, and then another 10 days for when, the, the, when Pentecost happened, when the Holy Spirit showed up. So there's 50 days but in that gap. And, and we're right now, in our real time, we're in the middle of that gap. You know, Easter happened a few weeks ago, and now we are preparing to celebrate 
Pentecost, which is going to come on May 31st. And for most of us, even in the church world, we don't even know if we're going to be able to gather in person by that time or not. We just don't know. But the cool thing is, is that regardless of how we gather, we have an assurance of an awakening that I believe God in this, in this, this year, 2020, there's no mistake that it's happened in this year. There's no mistake that God is using it now to prepare the church to do and to be something that maybe we haven't been in generations. That God is awakening the church. And I believe that between now and between May 31st, may God's going to do something special in his church. And he's not looking for special people. Listen, this isn't for the, the super spiritual people to participate and to be used. No, God's looking for people who are willing to say yes. Say yes to being a part of what God is doing. Saying yes to say, I'm, not, I'm no longer going to live my old self and my old life. I'm going to lay that down. I'm going to embrace this new normal, which in all reality with God, he doesn't really do anything normal. Like there's no normal for God. Like, you know, crazy and extreme and supernatural. I mean, that's normal for God. But that's the type of life that I believe that he's trying to pull us to. I think there are things that, that we can do to prepare and to respond. And I think the message today is, is very strongly pointed towards people who are in the church world or consider themselves to be Jesus followers. Listen, if you're following along, if you're with us today and you don't even consider yourself to be in that category, you know, honestly, I want to be one of the first ones to, to even apologize and say, I'm so sorry that I haven't been what I could have been as a Jesus follower for you. And that the church hasn't been what the church is supposed to be for you. I'm so sorry that instead of us bringing the love and grace of God into your life, so many of us have brought judgment and we brought guilt and we brought condemnation. Or we've portrayed this air of perfection that we exist in that isn't even real because we're real people. We're not perfect people. We love and we serve a perfect God and by his grace, and if we make that decision to allow the life of God to actually go through us, then yeah, then all of a sudden we do have something happening in and through our life that is beyond even our own capabilities. But for the Jesus followers that I'm speaking to, come on. Be a Jesus follower as a husband at home right now. Be a Jesus follower for your family. Be a Jesus follower as a wife, as a parent, as a married couple, as a, as a single, as a, as a child, a teenager. Wherever, whatever season you find yourself, a business owner. Maybe you're retired. You're like, I, I don't even know what to do. I just get the special hours where I get to go to Costco. You know, that's, that's my life now, which I think is kind of pretty cool. But Maybe you're living as a widow, as a widower, and you don't know what to do right now. Here's what I feel like the challenge for us is, even in this message and for today in preparation, is take advantage of this time where God's literally forcing us to slow down and to pause and to reflect, and to not go as fast as we have been before. And, and maybe in a family context, we're being forced to spend more time with our family than we ever have before. Let's take this season to pause and to submit ourselves to God and say, God, I know we've been talking about how we just want things to get back to normal, but God, I pray in my life that you would never allow me to go back to what is old and to what is comfortable and to what I used to rely on. God, you have created me with purpose, and I need you in my life to live this purpose. 
I need your power in my life to accomplish this purpose, whether it's just in my household or whether it's to the nations. Father, we pray right now just for everyone who's watching, everyone who's listening. Father, we thank you that you are so faithful. We thank you, God, that you do not waste a single thing. That you, that you, you, don't, you don't make these horrible things happen, but God, you know how to use these moments. You know how to use these moments to bring life, how to bring people back to a place of focus. And so, Father, I pray that, that this week, God, we don't want to just talk about it today and let it be a thought and we go on with a normal life. Father, I pray that you would, um, that you would bother us this week, that you would not allow us to settle for the things that we've been settling for before, that you would not allow us to go back to an old, comfortable lifestyle, but that just as Jesus called the disciples back to him and said, hey, now you're not going back to being fishermen. You're going back to the purpose that I've called you to. I pray that we would do the exact same thing. Father, we need your help. We need your anointing, God. But Father, help us to be a part of a new awakening, Lord, that you're doing inside of us. It starts with us and now beginning to do around the world. Let your church wake up. Let your church arise. Father, let, a, let our passion for your name grow inside of every single one of us. We love you, Jesus. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor. Subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at ConvoChurch. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.